to the Building Families podcast, the official podcast of Surrogate Alternatives, where we talk about building families through surrogacy and egg donation and provide insights, tips, and advice. With over 20 years of experience in building tomorrow's families today, SAI has been the premier surrogacy agency in San Diego County. Broadcasting live from our offices in beautiful Chula Vista, California. Now, here's your host of the Building Families podcast, Damien Olmeda. Hey, everybody. This is Damien Olmeda, and welcome to the Building Families podcast. We are here in beautiful, sunny Chula Vista today, and we have a special guest for you. That is correct. You heard it right. Special guest. Our guest is none other than our surrogate intake director, handles our Washington, D.C. office, and... She is live in the studio today in San Diego. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. It's so nice to be here. How are you doing today? Doing great. Just got off my flight in beautiful San Diego, loving yeah. this 70 degree weather Yeah. versus the humidity I just came from. So It's horrible out there sometimes, that humidity. Oh, it, I haven't been in there in a long time, so yeah. it's hard to get used to, but getting off the plane at... 70 degrees is great. Yeah. It, um, it's the same weather in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, um, Rebecca's originally from Pennsylvania. Yes. So, But she handles our D.C. office. And so, um, coincidentally, I went to school out in D.C., in the D.C. area, and worked out there for a few years. So I'm very familiar with the area. Um, love that area. I think it's beautiful. It is. It's so beautiful. Watching the spring this yes. year was probably my favorite part. I... I mean, in San Diego, we don't get that until when? Never. (laughs) I mean, we see the fall, we see like the leaves change in January, February, you know, but to actually see spring come alive from my window was pretty awesome. Well, the seasons change out there, not here. We're so, um, we're so used to the weather, you Mm -hmm. know, we kind of take it for granted and, you know, it is what it is every day for us. But when you're out there, it's so funny because I think I told you before that when I went to school out there, you knew it was spring because everybody was super pale and they were going to get a tan, (laughs) you know? So you're like, oh, spring's here. Yay. They were going on spring break. And so everybody was kind of getting their, um, their suntan on. So, um, that's what I remember out of, uh, of that that kind of time. Yeah. But also out there, um, everybody rides bikes, everybody jogs. And so you see them up and down the mall, you see them out by the water. It's so, you know, it's so fun because everybody's kind of active out there. Totally. And I was, wasn't really expecting that moving from California to the DC area, I was thinking, oh, California people are so active. And, you know, back there, everybody becomes a hermit in the winter and doesn't come out of their house. But it actually is more active than I would, I was expecting because people would still be running down the road and it would be, you know, 30, 40 degrees. It didn't stop them. Well, here's a quick funny story. Back in, um, God, I'm kind of dating myself, but but in the late nineties, there was a huge um, uh, blizzard out there. And so everything was shut down. The, um, The mall was shut down. And the government, obviously, everything was shut down. So what people did was they took their skis and they went out there and you see them in the snow and they're just doing the cross country skiing and, you know, and, the, wow. and they're like, uh, you know where the Washington Monument is? Yeah. So it's a hill. And so they would go down the hill and everybody was just enjoying themselves. And it was kind of crazy because you're from California and you're used to the beach and all that. And all of a sudden you're watching these, you know, people skiing. skiing. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, whoa, okay. That would have been a good photo. Yeah, right. Watch so, people ski down the hill. I would have loved that photo, just me skiing and the uh, the monuments in the back. Yeah. So for sure. But we are here. Um, we're so happy to have you here. Thank um, you. We are here to talk about you and kind of get to know you because, um, you know, we have surrogates out there um, who are thinking about being a surrogate. And I think uh, they, they, they want to get to know the, the intake director. Yeah. And as, you know... As per usual, I guess, for everybody in the office is our office is experienced and we have um, staff members with multiple surrogacies. And so you're also an experienced surrogate. So on top of being a surrogate director, you know what you're talking about. Yes. That's very important, I feel like. Yeah. Um, So we're going to get to know Rebecca a little bit today and we're going to get to know her story and get to know what she does here at Surrogate Alternatives. So um, let's get right into it. So um, your journeys. 
the first, let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, what's so funny is I remember meeting you when you were just a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Well, not just, but you at were, the retreat. Yeah, you were yes. a surrogate. Well, actually, I think I met you um, at the Easter. We had oh, the Easter party. Yes, and we had a job uh, position open up, and I remember they were saying, "Oh, this is Rebecca, um, who we're thinking about hiring, and she's going to go through the process along with a few other people." And so that's when I first met you. Yeah, and I think I interviewed you for the very first time on camera. Yeah, and it was so loud, <laughs> and it was so loud that um, I didn't get a chance to get the audio right. But yeah, yeah. it was really loud with all that we had. What. 50, 60 kids there. Oh my God, so, screaming. So yeah. many, yeah. Yeah. Um, so take us back to the beginning before you worked for SAI, you were a surrogate um, on your first journey. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you come across, um, first off, how did you want to get into surrogacy? So I had my last child and he was only a few months old. And I said to my husband one day, you know, I have such great pregnancies. I should do this for somebody. You know, they can't be, they can't have babies. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. I said, why not? You know, I've had good pregnancies. We're done having our own children. So why not? So I started to look into the process of becoming a surrogate and I just pretty much did some research online, you know, Googled and Mm -hmm. then, you know, got some agencies, websites, and I did fill out, I want to say two applications online. And one of them contacted me back and I was about to fill out the application and they said, well, you know, we want to have an interview with you. And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, just send me the address and I'll see, you know, when I can, when I can go. Cause I was a stay at home mom at that point. So, mm-hmm. and she gave me the address and it was <clears throat> like a number or a letter. And I said, oh, that's interesting. It wasn't sweet number or, right. you know, the business location number. I said, is that an apartment? And she said, yeah. I said, uh, okay, um, no thanks. I'm not, I'm not interested. Cause it just didn't feel right to me sure. to just go into this apartment complex and go to somebody's house. It just seemed like underground. I don't right. know. It felt, it felt fishy. And that's what we tell girls too. <clears throat> we tell them, you know, to watch out and, and do your due diligence. You know, you've heard me say it a million times, yes. but you know, the last thing you want to do is you're going through this journey you know, you're putting your body through, you know, a lot and you're putting your family through a lot. You want to make sure that you go with a reputable agency. Right. Yeah. So there was a family that we knew, um, my husband that him, uh, he had worked with the husband and I totally forgot that she had been a surrogate. And so we got together with the kids cause she had actually had a baby right around the same time as I had our third baby. And so we would get together for play dates and I said, Hey, I'm kind of thinking about doing this surrogacy thing. Mm-hmm. And who did you carry with? Because I, I told her my story and I said, you know, just, I just don't want to do this for, I want, I'm doing this for the right reason. I don't want to do this for the wrong company, like with the wrong company, because that will dictate the way your journey is going to go mm-hmm. after doing research online and realizing this. And so she told me that she was with SAI. And so I said, okay, great. And she said, well, if you call them, mention my name because she knew Anne. Well, mm-hmm. you know, she carried, uh, I believe, a set of twins with us. And so I called and uh, spoke with SAI, and everybody was really nice and sweet, and I ended up filling, up the app, filling out the application. And at that point, I wasn't done breastfeeding yet. So I did everything, and I came in and had my interview, and it was nice to walk into an office that was put together, and everything just just flowed and just seemed right. Mm-hmm. And so after the interview, uh, a few months later, after I was done breastfeeding, we, I decided to move forward and, uh, yeah. And it was, and everything has been, has been wonderful. Yeah. Did you, um, when you decided to become a surrogate, I always like asking this kind of question because, um, for anybody who's thinking about it, we've all been there and we were a newbie at one point and we all had questions. Um, for you, what did, what was your, did you know about surrogacy? Did you know what it entailed? or Because some people think um, when people question me about surrogacy, they know that I'm involved in the field. That The first thing, obviously, they ask you is, um, you know, is it your baby and how, <laughs> and how can you give it up? Mm-hmm. And those are all questions. Even if you, you didn't know about surrogacy, you're going to have that question, obviously, because those are things you think about normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something, are those the kind of questions you thought to yourself too until you started kind of educating yourself or you just kind of automatically? I didn't. I mm-hmm. That never really crossed my mind, honestly. It was more of, 
you know, I had such great pregnancies and there are so many women out there that just, or, you know, couples that can't have child children, right. you know, gay couples, obviously they would need a surrogate. Um, but there's a lot of women also that can't get pregnant. And so I feel like that my drive to be a surrogate was more of, well, I have a perfectly working uterus. Mm. Why not help somebody else out? Right. And I was a stay-at-home mom, so it wouldn't really have affected, you know, family life or anything like that. Yeah. And I never, ne- that never crossed my mind. Yeah. Did you talk to your um, family about it? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And my mom said, I would have totally done that. Wow. But I said to her, I said, you probably would have been a traditional surrogate because, you know, <laughs> yeah. 30 some years ago, that's what it would have been, or it would have been not known. Right. They wouldn't have, they just wouldn't have had the medical advancements as they do now. But so yeah, they were completely on board and very supportive. And, you know, Pat was very supportive of my husband and yeah, it was, it was great. And then, you know, through the process, I talked to my kids about it and they were, they thought it was great too. I think it's great that we can teach our kids that there's so many other ways to help right. people. It's not just you know, opening the door for somebody or helping some of the bag or, you know, yeah. going across and helping the older neighbor across the street sure. shovel her snow, you know, yeah. there's, there's other ways. And I feel like we have to educate our kids on, on those different ways. Yeah. And I agree. I think if, especially in surrogacy, when your kids see you doing something like that and you're teaching them as you go along about the process and why you're doing it, I think it's extra special. You know, it's something that you can't buy, you know, absolutely. you're giving your family something, uh, a lesson in life and, and you're, you're helping your kids learn one, you know, mm-hmm. so that's awesome. Um, moving on to when you decided to be a surrogate, you went through the process, um, you got matched. How was that experience the first time you spoke with your first intended parents? So it's, it's really weird. So I decided to go through this whole journey with, you know, to be a surrogate and started with SAI and then called them, Hey, I'm done breastfeeding. I want to start. And it was weird because every time I would wake up in the morning and I would just have like the surrogacy on my mind or like surrogate alternatives on my mind, they would call me that day. It was like the weirdest thing. It was like, this is so meant to be, but so they shared a profile with me, which I was super excited about, you know, as a first time surrogate, that's like the one thing that you're looking forward to. Like, when am I going to get picked? Is someone going to pick me? You know, it's in the back of your mind. Like, what if I don't ever get picked, you know? But so they contacted me and sent me over the profile and I met them, I want to say the next day. Mm -hmm. And then we were matched pretty much right away. So you didn't go through different profiles. You went through one and you already knew. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, there are, there are surrogates. I've I've run into so many surrogates. It's commonplace to just see that one. I don't know if it's a special thing that happens, you know. But or we joke around, and Anne's a super matchmaker, mm-hmm. you know. So she knows what you know, what, who you can handle, and you know what Absolutely. you can handle, and mm-hmm. how you guys can get along. And it's, so it's kind of like we were joking on the last last podcast uh, that Anne was the million dollar matchmaker. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, so you went through that process, you matched, and then when you met her, how did you feel? You she told you her story and. Um, at that point, I feel like it's you're like whoa, it's real. Like this, it's getting it started. Is. And I was I was nervous, yeah. nervous, excited, nursighted is what we call it, nursighted, <laughs> to meet them yeah. because you you want to do this so badly. And I always said, you know, I'm the one that would raise my hand to to carry for anyone. Like anybody that walks in this office, I'm like, I'll help you. You yeah. know, just because I feel like I have a big heart and I would just help anybody. It's, it's, yes, it's a connection between you and the intended parents, but at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that I carry a child for this couple. So I would, I would help anybody, but, um, yeah, I was super excited and nervous to meet them. And we met on Skype because they were located in China Mm -hmm. and, uh, they spoke English, so we didn't need a translator. It was just them and I talking and yeah, they were great. They asked me a bunch of different questions and I asked them questions. And when I, when I tell surrogates now, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, what do I say? I'm like, just be yourself. It's as if you were meeting somebody for the first time or you were trying to start a friendship mm-hmm. with a little bit more detail, sure, but sure. there's nothing that y- you should be nervous about because right. you're just kind of chatting. So yeah, we just talked for probably maybe 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. They asked me questions. I asked them questions. We kind of like solidified certain things, you know, that would happen throughout the process. And uh, and they said, okay, well, we'd love for you to work for work for you know with us. And I said, okay, great, me too. Yeah. 
And so once that happens, it's kind of a whirlwind. You, you go through the yeah. whole entire process and finally get to transfer day. Um, it was and, very quick. It yeah. was a rush case. Oh, wow. So uh, I want to say we met uh, the middle of November and I had a, a, maybe we met in October, but I had a transfer in December. So it was like really quick. I was, you know, psychological screening, medical screening, Right. Signed my contracts and boom, we were having a transfer. Wow, that it was fast. super quick. Yeah. Who who did you transfer with? What? I we use um, California Fertility Partners, Dr. Ringler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it was whirlwind. Usually, it takes a little bit of time, and yeah, that surrogates think also. You know, sometimes surrogates think that it happens quickly, and sometimes it doesn't. So it just kind of varies. I guess mm-hmm. that goes to show you that it does. Right. But it was you know it was a quick uh, it was a quick process, but. You know, we had a transfer. They only had two embryos, Ooh. and they weren't able to make any more embryos or didn't want to make any embryos. I w- I'm not sure what what the case mm-hmm. was, but um, you know, we had a transfer with two embryos in it, and it didn't take. Yeah, and I had a failed transfer, and that was hard because yeah. this was my first my first time doing this, mm-hmm. and you just you, you we always talk about this, you know, stay positive, and I right. did, and just like no, this is going to work. It's not even an option that this isn't going to work. Yeah. And it didn't work, and mm-hmm. I just cried. I because I felt so bad, right? As if I did something, and I know I didn't do anything, but you feel like you're letting them down. Sure, and you have all that pressure, you know, on you as a surrogate when they tell you, "Well, we have two embryos," and you're like, "Great," you know, right? I have this huge pressure now, and and I think every surrogate, and I don't know, but I'm a, the talks I've had with the the few that I have, that I've known, they feel that pressure. You do. And it's more of just because you want this so badly for them because you have already experienced this yourself that it's more of a letdown, you know? Yeah, you feel the pressure, but honestly, at the end of the day, there's really nothing you can do. If you're doing everything you're supposed to, it's kind of out of your hands. But yeah, it was, it was a letdown for me and it was a letdown for them. Clearly that was, you know, there are only two embryos. Mm -hmm. And so they decided not to move forward. Right. After that, and and not make any more embryos, so that was really hard too, because I was like, "How does this work? Do I get rematched? Like, am I done? You know?" Because right. it, it was kind of like an unknown in my head, because I just never expected it to not happen. Right. They had those two embryos. You went through that one transfer, so you had one left. No, they they put both. Oh, they put both. both. Okay. Yeah, they put two embryos in. That was all that they had, and then it didn't take, and it was. Right, and so you had to go on to another, another IP. Yeah, so uh, I found out that they were going to cancel contracts, mm-hmm. and I just cried to Anne. Yeah. I just said, uh, "What what do I do? You know, I'm like heartbroken, and I feel bad, and." how does this work for me now going forward? Cause I still want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if, if it's me that, it, you know, my uterus sure. or what you just think all of these crazy things in your head. And she said, no, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll find another couple for you. And so I wanted to go back and I wanted to interrupt you because at this point, this is something kind of great that we can talk to the surrogates about on radio right now, your transfer and the embryos didn't take a lot of girls kind of beat themselves up that it was them. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the majority of the time it's not them. Um, can you speak a little bit about, you know, the embryo, the health of the em- of the embryo? Right. So the embryos that, that they placed in, 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 that they had made, I don't believe were, were PGD tested, mm-hmm. which makes, which makes a difference because you don't necessarily know the quality of it. Right. Um, and I guess the quality from what I got from the doctor that the quality of the embryos weren't weren't very good. And mm-hmm. so the expectation of them taking was actually pretty low. But as a first time surrogate, you don't sure. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Or okay, you're telling me these aren't great quality. And and in some cases it that doesn't make a difference because it's not in the environment that it needs to be in. But mm-hmm. so yeah, so quality of embryo definitely plays a part in whether the the transfer will take, uh, you know, they, they do PGD or PGS testing, which will check the genetic right. makeup of the, of the embryo, which will tell them, you know, the different grades of the embryo. And obviously they can tell them the, gen- the, the gender. Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, they've, they've told some surrogates, which I'm sure they can attest to that, oh, these 
embryos just aren't that great of quality, but yeah. then they get pregnant with twins or, right. you know, it's just, you're looking at something in a dish versus something that is, is in there. So, right. which I would rather have, um, low expectations no, you know, right. going into it. Right. I would rather the doctor tell me that, you know, they're low that way. I don't, you know, if God forbid something were to happen, at least I feel, you know, I don't beat myself up over it, which a lot of surrogates do. And that's why I wanted to kind of bring that up. Right. And, and honestly, even if they say, oh, these are grade A, perfect embryos, they're already hatching and right. blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's still, there's still something, sure. a higher being, like a pre- something that is out of our control that is, it takes over. And whether that, that embryo is meant to be a child is, you know, it's out mm-hmm. of our control. So, you know, there's, there's going to be times where you have a transfer and they're going to say, these are great. And it doesn't take, or they may say these embryos are okay quality and it takes. Right. So I just tell everybody just stay positive And, and if it's going to take, it's going to take, mm-hmm. you know, you do what you have to do in regards to your medications and your bed rest and all of those things. And if it's meant to happen, it will. Yeah. And I think, um, for a surrogate perspective, you know, from an agency perspective, we want the surrogates to maintain that positivity. Mm-hmm. And that's why we go into our support team goes with them and holds their hand and takes care of them. And, you know, we send out sticky thoughts to everybody. Right. We, we all kind of, you know, that power, you know, that collective power that we have here mm-hmm. at SAI, along with their Soros sisters, we all kind of help each other out through the whole process. Um, we just need to build each other up and just be there for each other and, you know, stay positive. And then if it doesn't take, then we're also there to build you up and to keep you positive. You know, positivity goes a long way in every aspect, especially in this journey, because there's so many emotional roller coasters that, that happen. And that's the only thing you can control. So, yeah. Um, so you, you didn't, it didn't take, and now you moved on and you told Anne that you wanted to continue, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, tell me a little bit more how, and how that progressed. So I want to say I canceled contracts at the end of or the beginning of January and I was, I'm, I was given a profile at the end of January for my, for the other couple. Um, and they were a gay couple in LA and I met, I got their profile and I want to say we met like a week later. And because they were in LA, we were able to meet in person, which was a, was a new experience for me as well, because the first time they were in China and we met on Skype and now I'm meeting a local couple, pretty much local to San Diego in person. So this is a whole new, you know, emotional thing that now I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to meet in person and, you know, we're going to have lunch. And I, it's different because you don't know these people. It's like going to lunch with someone you don't know, you know, and having, and getting to know them. But it was so easy. We met here in the office and it was just the couple and I, and we went and had lunch and it was just, everything was just clicked. Clicked. Yeah. yeah. It was so easy and we had good conversation. I want to say we were at lunch for like two hours, two and a half wow. hours. It was a really long lunch. We all looked down at our watches like, <laughs> wow. Uh, but it was, it was perfect. And we went back to the office and told Anne like, yeah, for sure. You know, we want to move forward. Right. So everything progressed, you move forward, you had a great relationship or, or a great connection, I should say. And you guys move forward, you go through the transfer, mm-hmm. it takes. Nope. <laughs> See? You, so we go through the transfer. So uh, and, and, and this is great because, you know, I always talk about it and it's like every journey is different. There's no mm-hmm. journey that's the same. And you're going to run into people, if you're listening out there and, you know, and you're, you're thinking about surrogacy, you're going to run into people who have had wonderful uh, uh, surrogacies and you're going to have people who've had um, you know, up and down journeys. And I think that's why they call it a journey. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's definitely a journey. So I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so um, we, it was a gay couple. Mm-hmm. So they had an egg donor and you know, the egg donor is young and they made embryos. She got a lot of eggs and I want to say they had 14 embryos. Wow. Uh, so you went from two to 14. Right. And some of them weren't, weren't genetically normal, but I would say there was a lot that were. Mm-hmm. And so they decided they wanted two girls. So they chose the, the two best embryos were two girls. Mm-hmm. And we were working with HRC, Dr. Boosten at the time. <clears throat> and he, we had the transfer and everything was great. Great, A, perfect embryos. Right. You know, your chance of getting pregnant with at least one is, I think he said 80%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like jumping for joy. Like, sure. this is awesome. This is going to take. This is so great. 
and they tested me 10 days later and my HCG was positive. It was, I think a 140 something or 120. And that was on a Friday and I'll never forget it because Sunday was the Mother's Day event for SAI Mm. and I wasn't worked, I hadn't worked here yet, you know? And, uh, so we had the Mother's Day event and I couldn't eat anything. (laughs) I was already like feeling like that pregnancy. (laughs) Right. And then I went back Monday to get my HCG taken again and it went down. Whoa. So it went from like 140 or 120 to down to 70. Mm. And so they pretty much told me that, you know, they, what they call it is a blighted ovum. So Mm -hmm. the embryo at some point stuck, but it just didn't continue to grow. So then they just, you know, kept checking my, uh, my HCG to make sure it was going to go, go all the way down. And so I pretty much had a miscarriage, but they consider it a blighted ovum. So my grade A, 80% chance of getting pregnant, you know, just, it just didn't happen. Wow. And so again, you, you have a setback. Mm -hmm. How does that play in your head? Hard. Yeah. Hard. Because now I'm two failed transfers in. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're with two different couples, but you, here's me thinking, oh my gosh, is it my my body? You know, I mean, all of my labs came back good. My ultrasounds, you know, were great. My lining was great. Sure. The egg was great. Everything. The eggs were yeah. great. Like it was this perfect combination, this perfect storm of us getting pregnant sure. and it just didn't happen. So I started to doubt myself. Well, can I do this? Is my body, can my body do this? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can't do IVF. I don't know. Sure, it was, yeah. but my couple was, was very reassuring and, you know, they understood that, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes things just don't work out. And so we, uh, had another transfer about eight weeks later. Oh, wow. So <laughs> your determination to give a couple of, you know, a family, to start a family, build a family, um, you just kept going. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you had those two setbacks, but, you know, from what, from, you know, the years I've known you, you're always pretty positive, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you preach the same positivity to surrogates. You know? Right. Um, so you kept going. I did. And then the second time. Yeah. And so just as a timeline at this point, so I signed up in September Mm-hmm. had my first transfer in December and then had another transfer in May. So now I'm what, eight months in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, nine months into my surrogate journey, which, you know, we always hear time, time frames right. and things of, Oh, well, this is when it's going to happen and this and this and this. So now I'm eight months in and I still right. am not pregnant. So that plays in your head too. Like, well, this was supposed to happen by now. Mm-hmm. Why, why is this not happening? You know, I had to get rematched. And, and like you said, it's a journey and everybody's journey is different. And it's really hard to not compare yourself to other people when you see, you know, surrogate forums online yeah, on Facebook, or you read articles or, you know, you see blogs and things like that. So, um, when we had, when, when they said that they wanted to move forward with, forward with another transfer, I was like, okay, please. Like, I am not even joking you. I prayed every single night leading up to that transfer. Like every night I was like, please, just please let this work Uh, for them. I like did everything I was supposed to. I journaled. I started to like journal like everything, like how I was feeling and the medications I took and how much I took and like how I was feeling in that day. And um, I still have that journal. It's just uh, cool to kind of look back and like revisit it. But I feel like it really helped me kind of like focus on like the moment right. and focus on like the this upcoming transfer like this has to work. Mm-hmm. Like this there's just not it's not an option, you right. know? Like in my brain I'm, I'm again like this is not an option for it to fail. So, we went to the transfer and uh my husband and I were there and the couple was there and Dr. Bustenfar said well, you know, this one embryo, because at this point they did want two girls, but they also wanted it to take. Mm-hmm. So they told Dr. Busafar, just take the two best embryos that, that we have, which oh, wow. ended up being a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, the, the boy embryo doesn't, it looks okay, but it's not the greatest. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion to you would be to put in three embryos. Ooh. And so, it, you know... Yeah. I wanted it to take so bad, like getting pregnant with triplets that never even crossed my mind. It was more like, no, this is going to, this is going to work and whatever we have to do to get this to work, just do it. Do it. 
So he said, okay, well, you guys go have lunch. <laughs> Talk about it. No, uh-huh. you guys go have lunch because we had already agreed. Okay. You guys go have lunch and I'll thaw out the the next embryo, which was a girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can come back in an hour and we'll do the transfer. Mm-hmm. So he said, fine. So then we went in and uh, they put in three embryos, which this is another interesting story because it's a journey. <laughs> so I go in for the transfer and they are doing the transfer. So they take a catheter and they put it up into the uterus and they release. It's like, I believe it's saline they mm-hmm. use in there and it releases the embryos in. So he's like, okay, everything's good, blah, blah, blah. So they take the catheter back into the lab and they come back in. They're like, um, so we're going to have to do this again because one of them is stuck in there. Oh, my gosh. So the embryo was the lar- like the larger embryo. I'm guessing it was the the best, like the top one, Yeah, was still in there because it was large and it had gotten wow. stuck when they tried to push it through. So then they did it again. And um, so, yeah, so that was like our crazy story of the <laughs> yeah. day. Um, and then we had our HCG 10 days later and found out we were pregnant. Oh, And awesome. ironically enough, my number was almost the same as it was for my first transfer right. with that couple. So I was definitely reserved. They said, oh, you're pregnant. Your HCG is 121 or 125. Yeah. And so I wanted to be excited but I couldn't let myself get excited because mm-hmm. my number was around the same for the my last, last transfer. And so I said, well, I'm not going to get excited. Let's just wait because they're going to check me in three more days. Let's just right. wait to see what happens with that number. And they checked me in three more days and my number was 1,000. Wow. 1,000? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So it went from one something to like 1,000 and <laughs> one, I think the number was. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, I could breathe. <laughs> Relief, right, yeah. I could breathe, you know, like, okay, this is, this is working. Let's just pray that it continues. And, uh, and, you know, we'll see the ultrasound in two more, in two weeks and, mm-hmm. and hope that there's a heartbeat. Right. And so you get to the ultrasound. Um, did you find out it was two, it was a boy and a girl or was it two? It was two. So we went to the ultrasound. We didn't find out, um, t- that it was two girls until the ultrasound later on. But so I got, I had my ultrasound and there were two babies in mm-hmm. there. So we were super excited. Yeah, they were relieved. super excited. And, you know, if it would have been a boy and a girl or a girl and a girl, they would have been happy because sure. they, they're pregnant, you yeah. know, we're, we're, we're finally doing this. And then, yeah, later on, we ended up finding out it was two girls and that's exactly what they wanted. And I'm sure that one that was stuck in that catheter was the girl. So <laughs> she was, she was the best one, but we'll check back in 18 years. Yeah. Right. How, that went. <laughs> how difficult was she? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you, you move along in the journey and you finally give birth. Um, you get into the delivery room. Um, was it a C-section? The, it the, was, it was planned. It was not, it was not planned. Okay. So, I was having some blood pressure issues in uh, just around 32 weeks. Mm-hmm. I was pregnant with twins, so obviously things can come up. And um, the babies were already measuring pretty large. I would say at 32 weeks, they were already like four and a, four or four and a half pounds, something like wow. that. And my my largest baby was nine pounds. So mm-hmm. I don't know why what happened with my blood pressure. Maybe it was just my body, you know, trying to push the eject button soon. But, um, so I had some blood pressure issues, 32 weeks, 33 weeks, and they wanted to get me to 34 weeks. That was, that was the ultimate goal. Right. So finally, uh, I went in for a check at 34 and a half and my blood pressure was elevated and they just said, we're just, we're going to, we're going to be done with this. And at that point they would not let me deliver naturally. Mm -hmm. So they said, you know, we're going to do a C-section. So, uh, one of the dads, it actually with my couple, with the, being a gay couple, the, it was one of the dad's babies. Mm -hmm. So they didn't do one dad and one dad, um, embryos. It was just the one, the one, one of them gave, um, sperm and it, it was, it was his babies. And so I told him that he can come into the operating room with me because, they were his babies and as as selfish as I could have been and said, no, I want my husband in there. I just, I didn't want to rob him of that, that feeling of watching, watching his babies being born. So he was in there with me. And that's a decision that a lot of surrogates have to go through too. Mm -hmm. And and everybody chooses different, you know, 
different um, options. And that's, you know, that's something that they decide on. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard because yeah. you're, you're having major surgery, mm-hmm. you're awake for it, but it's still major surgery and you definitely want a support person there. But uh, I was close with, yeah. with my IFs. So I feel that, you know, if there was something wrong or if I, if I felt something where I needed his support, that he would have definitely been there for right. me as well. So it was, it was hard, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't take that away. You know, you, the feeling of watching your baby being born is something mm-hmm. that you, you'll remember forever. And right. I, I wanted them to experience that. That's awesome. Um, baby's born, both of them are born. Mm-hmm. You're finally like relieved. It's tr- <laughs> truly a journey. Um, you had your ups and your downs. And then at the end of the day, you just, you know, created a new family. Yep. Um, you gave, you gave a family a new story. Um, how did you feel at the end of your journey? It was awesome. Yeah. It was great. There was, there was never that feeling of these are my babies or I just, you know, gave up babies or any of those crazy things that people right. ask you or think of. It's, it's so not that like, it's so much more than that. It's, oh my gosh, look at this family <laughs> with their babies. And I just created that for them, you know, and I'll never forget because my, my IF, was Chinese and, and his parents were extremely involved. And, uh, his, his dad, the IF's dad said to me when I went to see the babies, cause they were in the NICU for two weeks. And he's like, this is your mommy, you yeah. know, like, this is your mommy. Like, it was just like the cutest uh, thing. Like, cause he was like talking to them, like real, like light, like this is your mommy. Yeah. And, and it was just like that feeling for me. And I don't feel, I don't feel that like that I'm their mom, like sure. that I have that mommy role to them because they're not my kids. But just for them to acknowledge yeah. that like I, you know, I helped them do this and I did this for them. And it was, it was just, it was just great. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm still, I'm still close with them. I'm still friends with them. So I get to see pictures of the, of the girls all the time. And, you know, they just turned three in February. So that's, that's a really great thing too, because I can look back and it's, and it's kind of this out of body experience because you know that you, you delivered, mm-hmm. you know, you had babies because right, yeah. you were pregnant and you, you delivered, but you, you don't, it's, it's kind of like that really happened, you know, right. like that really <laughs> happened, but you don't, it, you don't remember it because it's, they're not your kids and it's a, and it's a different feeling that you have for them. You know, when yeah. you're pregnant, you definitely have this nurturing, like, I want to take care of them. I want to do the best for them kind it's of feeling. Attachment. Right. But it's not the attachment where these are my kids and, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's just different. I tell, I tell people when they ask me, it's more lo- watching, like when you go to the doctors and you see it up on the, up on the, you know, screen, it's like your, your brother or your sister's baby or your best friend's baby. It's like, right. oh my God, it's so awesome. And you want the best for this baby. And this is so great that you're doing this, but it's not the same feeling with, of your own kids. Yeah. Like you don't have that attachment. Like, oh, I want that baby. Like right. I've never, ever felt that whenever I see pictures of them. Yeah. It's awesome that you have a connection with the family still. Um, and that they, they, they honor you, you know, mm-hmm. with that title and it's, it's, it's cute. It's a, it's a, it's a cute story. Um, and most importantly this story, and I want to go back to it is, it's just really the word journey and what we always talk about first journey, second journey, third journey. I think sometimes we, we don't minimize it, but it's not as powerful sometimes cause you don't know the story. Mm-hmm. You just say first journey. Oh, I'm on my third journey. But when you think about a story like yours and in other surrogates as well, you go, whoa, they've gone through a journey. They've mm-hmm. gone through a lot. That's why they call it a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it has its, you know, it's ups and it's downs. And at the end of the day, you know, the end game is a beautiful family, Yep. you know, and that's what you were able to accomplish. That's that what we're time. here. That's what we're, that's what my job was. And that's what I always said to myself, like, this is my job. And regardless of the relationship that they would have had with me, mm-hmm. you know, either way would have been okay with me right. because I'm not here to, be part of their family. Sure. I mean, if they want me to be a part of their family, then then yes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if that wasn't something that they wanted for themselves, then that's okay. I know that I I did what I was supposed to do. Right. And for surrogates or somebody who's listening who wants to become a surrogate is thinking about it, you can 
um, choose to be involved or you can, you know, you can write in your profile how much you want to be involved or how much you want the intended parents to be involved. You guys kind of choose the involvement, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like a surrogate gets matched with somebody who you want to be involved, but they don't. And so they throw you in together and it doesn't work that way. Right. You usually say, I want to be a part of a surrogacy where I'm involved with the parents, you know, throughout where we communicate and things like that. Um, so you, you do have that option. So everybody, every journey is different. Everybody's different. So, yeah. And I never felt in my, in my own journey that that was pushed right. where it, we had to have that conversation. It was more of, we built this relationship and it just kind of evolved into, into, yeah, it just evolved into what we have now, which is, you know, a great friendship and I can see the girls and send them, you know, birthday gifts and, and oh, all of that is like welcomed yeah. and, and I couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. So you finish your first journey and now you are, um, you are starting to, um, I guess go through the process of being hired at SAI. Right. All right. Yeah. So you get, you come on board, you get hired at surrogate alternatives. Um, is it, did you want to continue? Did you know that you want to do another surrogacy? I forgot to ask. I did. So I always told my husband in my in my mind, this is when this is what I felt when I first started this, mm-hmm. is that I would like to do it two times. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to do it two times because I sure. feel when you do it once, it's just kind of like the fruit dangling, right. you know, because you've kind of gotten your feet wet. But there's so many more couples out there. Like I knew in my yeah. head, like there's so many people that need help. If I could just help two, right. then I feel like I've done my job. Mm-hmm. And I think for surrogates, surrogates have a different mindset. They want to help people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not necessarily a monetary issue. It's it's the helping part that you want to help people create this family that they would n- otherwise never have without mm-hmm. your help. And so... I think it is when once you 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 see that that powerful you know moment where they meet their their, ch- their children or their child, um, it kind of hits you like there's more people out. My work isn't complete, right? You know that kind of feeling. That's ex- that's exactly how it feels. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. That's awesome. Um, so you started working at Surrogate Alternatives. Um, I think. You, when I talk to, you know, some of our employees that work here, I hate the word employees. I feel like so distant because <laughs> we're all family. You know, we, we always are. talk 24 seven. So I hate saying employees, but, um, for everybody out there, um, I feel like our, you know, our staff, our employees, our family, um, they get, you know, they have that journey and then, um, they want to continue being involved in surrogacy. Right. And I think, what better way to be involved and be a part of surrogate alternatives if you can, you know, and, and helping out and on the back end of it and helping your surrogates along. Um, did you feel like you wanted to just continue being involved? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I was listening to that song glorious today by Macklemore cause it's mm-hmm. been stuck in my head all day. And in that song, it says I was, I was made for this. Like I was meant for this. And that's once I did my, my surrogate journey, I felt that's how I felt. Like I felt like this was like put in in my path for a reason, right. and I obviously don't want to don't want to stop now. You know, I want to continue this if I can help other people, and it may not be helping them have a baby, but if I could help other you know women be educated on surrogacy or just kind of like tell my story, and maybe that will help them. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my whole my whole thought process behind behind yeah. it. And when I found out, you know, that I could possibly have a job here, then that just helped me to continue that. Right. You carry that passion from your surrogacy into your job because it shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listening to you now, you can tell your passion. I mean, it's it's. I think it's in everybody in here. You know, because to work in this field, you have to have that passion. Mm-hmm. You just do. You just can't be like. You know, you don't love <laughs> building right. families and why are you here? But um, you definitely, you hear the passion in your voice and, and the story is so, um, so touching that why wouldn't you want to continue to do something like that? And right. we're all here because we love helping people. And so if we can continue to do that, then why not? Right. It's almost as if you're giving back. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, I'm a, a, a quote unquote employee, mm-hmm. you know, I'm part of SAI and this is my job that I do, but it's more of me like giving back because I can help other families by helping them 
you know, get a surrogate and and really talk right. to the surrogate and make sure that we're getting these qualified candidates that want to do this for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hate that word, employee. <laughs> it's, it's family. I'm a number. We're, we're fa- yeah, no. <laughs> we're family. So we always, it's funny because some of us work so closely with each other and it's, um, you're on the East Coast. And so I'm usually an early bird, super early bird. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're working and it's six o'clock over here and you're working over there. And so we communicate and it feels like you're always going. You have a, you know, you have a family, a big family and you also have, you know, your work that you do. So you could see your passion in your work, mm-hmm. you know, your dedication. So um, moving to the next journey, um, <laughs> we could probably talk about that first journey forever. <laughs> so moving on to the next journey, if you want to pause <laughs> your podcast, you feel free to pause it and then come back to it. I know you guys are either on a drive or you're at home and the kids probably are, you know, um, want your attention. So if you want to pause it right now, feel free. But we're going to move on to Rebecca's second journey. And it's a completely different journey from what I understand, because I was yes. not a part of it, but I mean, I was in the office and got to hear it. And and I was at the transfer, which, right. which I was honored uh, mm-hmm. to be at. But uh, we're going to get into the second journey. Um, so you finally, you're working at Surrogate Alternatives. You have that passion in you to continue. You want to help because we're all helpers here. We all want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get matched with your second couple. I did. So th- this is this is another journey because <laughs> I, I got matched with my couple. They were here in San Diego, a local... Um, male and woman mm-hmm. and man and woman <laughs> and they were they're a young young couple and um due to health issues uh you know sure. the woman wasn't able to have her own children but she was able to do an egg donation so that they could uh, have their own genetics so awesome. which was really great for them <clears throat> the original clinic that they were signed up with I had my medical screening at and the doctor was very hesitant on accepting me as a surrogate with their clinic because of my early delivery with the twins at 34 and a half weeks. So we had a meeting with the doctor and my intended parents and uh, the doctor was definitely not reassuring that nothing was, that things were going to go along good. She was, she was more telling them that things were going to go wrong. So they were hesitant to use me. And I understood that this is their journey. Obviously, this is their child. They want right. to make sure that they they do the best. Can't blame them. Right. So, so we ended up canceling our match, and they got rematched with another surrogate, and I was just waiting to get matched. And they just wanted – they were having issues kind of with their surrogate, and so they decided to pull out of their match, and they came back to me and said, listen – we are completely, we want to work with you. We want you to be our surrogate. Uh, and we'll go to whatever clinic you want us to go to because mm-hmm. we know that you already don't feel comfortable with this clinic that we're using. Right. And I thought that was really great because I really wanted to work with Dr. Smotrich because mm-hmm. my first two journeys was not with Dr. Smotrich and I just think so highly of him. Right. So my my number one goal was to use him and when they weren't working with him i was like man i'm not going to get to work with dr smartridge yeah, you know he's such a rock star in our right? lives here <laughs> i know and so things just kind of worked out and they when they said we'll work with whatever clinic you want to work with i said okay for sure you're going to work with dr smartridge at lohai ibf and uh, we're going to get this done <laughs> so they they agreed and they had transferred all the embryos from their clinic to lohai ibf mm-hmm. and everything uh, went really smooth did you feel From a lot there. of confidence going into the second journey? Because working here, you got kind of to know, you know, the ins and outs mm-hmm. and the doctors and all that. I feel like you kind of got a little bit more confidence in the in in how to handle the whole um, your whole second journey. Yeah, well, I definitely had confidence in the clinic, mm-hmm. and I definitely had confidence with the couple because they were younger, using their own genetics. Everything was great. Their embryos were great. Uh, so I had confidence in that, mm-hmm. but I still have that kind of like teeter totter of sure, yeah. emotion because of what happened in my previous journeys and, you know, no two journeys the same, mm-hmm. like we say, but it's, it's still hard to be overly excited and overly confident knowing that there are w- things that can happen or that it can't take, especially working here because we live this every day where, yeah. you know we have failed transfers and, and we have fan transfers to take. So I was confident in, in some of the things that were going on, just 
trying to keep my cool about if the transfer is going to take. So there's always that little piece in the back of your head that just thinks that. Um, You go through that transfer um, with Dr. Smotrich. I was. You know, fortunate enough to be a part of that. I so know. I was there filming, and so that was awesome. <laughs> that I, was a funny day, actually. <laughs> I was that was the second time Diana's gone through um, a retrieval with Dr. Smotrich for us, and so we've been. Um, so I got to see that for the first time, and then I, the second time was with you, and that's the first time you know to be that intimate in, in that area mm-hmm. there. You know, go behind the scenes um, to be welcomed in that area. So that was the second time. What I loved about being able, like a fly on the wall was seeing the IPs and how they were reacting and their nervousness Mm -hmm. to the process of the transfer. So I loved seeing that behind the scenes look. And I also love their anticipation, their their giddiness about what they could expect Mm -hmm. because I was able to interview them. And and what I loved so much was, you know, right after it happened in their mind, there wasn't a failed transfer. In their mind, they kept that positivity Mm -hmm. and they came out and they spoke to me and they were just so happy and they were just... You know, I can't believe we're going to have a uh, you know a baby, and it wasn't like, well, we hope it takes, and I, right. I think we might. There was just no, we're going to have a baby, and it was awesome. They were always very positive about the transfer and the transfer taking. Yeah, and, and that's the best part about right. um, watching them that day was just that positivity that they had, and that and that helps that helps you too because. You know, you are you're trying to stay positive for them typically, and typic and normally the the intended parents are more reserved when it comes to if it's going to take or not because right. they already have gotten the percentages and they've done their research and done all of these things so they know what to expect. But yeah, my couple was always very positive, like this is going to take. Oh my gosh, yeah. we're gonna and they wanted one little boy, so we just transferred you know one embryo, little boy, and uh, yeah, they were all, they were great. So. And being an outsider, get being a fly on the wall. What I also liked was the support that you had from Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, every podcast, we'll talk about husbands, and I love doing that, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm a dad as well. And you know, it's it's just I want to give the husband some shine right. because they go through a lot on that on the in behind the scenes. Um, but it was cool seeing Pat there, and he was you know by your side the whole entire time, never left, and you know whatever you needed, he was helping you out. You mm-hmm. know, and that was cool to see um, because I don't get to see that with other surrogates. So I got to see that um, with your with your um, transfer. So. Yeah, he's he's supportive of me one hundred and fifty percent. He's my rock for sure. So, and I feel like that that is important when you go through this process. To you know, you may not have a significant other to to be that person for you, um, but if it's a friend or if it's a, a parent or a sibling or something, it's like you always need that one person that you know is going to be there for you, right. that's going to support you. Uh, through this journey because you need that support. When you're acting crazy and you got, you know, hormones and, <laughs> right. you know, you just need that person to kind of, you know, calm you down and, you know, realize, sometimes make you realize why you're doing what you're doing. That's what you need. Yeah. And like I said, Diana had her retrieval. So the medication that's involved, mm-hmm. like you said, the hormones that are going through yes. you, um, you know, and, you know, we... You know, you have to have that support system that you know is going to have patience with you because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> those hormones can go left yeah. when you want to go right, you know, and so... Level-headed. Uh, yeah. Yes. You need that that <laughs> so balance. You need you need somebody who's patient enough to, to deal with that. And um, husbands, you know, I give you guys all the props out there um, or significant others or best friends, you know, mm-hmm. who, who help you along on, on that side of it. Um, going through the transfer that day, um, Dr. Smotrich, I just want to give another kind of, you know, shout out to to him again, um, because I got to see him at work. And Dr. Smotridge, um, like I said, he's helped us with our retrieval, but Dr. Smotridge is one of those guys who puts you at ease with his personality. And he's mm-hmm. just very fun to, you almost feel like you're not doing a procedure, but you're just hanging out with friends, <laughs> right? you know, and he makes you, uh, he, he, he kind of talks to you and, and gets you calm and, you know, makes you feel like this is not a procedure, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he walks you through it. Yeah, it, he he's so wonderful. I was so happy because I knew that um, this was probably going to be my last journey. I wanted to do it twice, and I, I'm really glad I got to experience it with him because I've you know been at transfers mm-hmm. and I've been in the office and have dealt with Dr. Smotrich, but just not on a patient level. Right, and just his everything about him. Yeah. It's just great, you know, and then at the end of the transfer, you know, he does his little prayer, mm-hmm. which is definitely added touch because there's no other doctor that, that does that. Yeah. 
and it's so powerful at the end. And I put a photo up of that. Um, I put a, f- a couple photos. You can see it on our Facebook, but of him doing that prayer. And it's and nobody. You know what? A lot of people didn't know he did that until I put that photo up, and people were just like, "Whoa." You know, that's pretty powerful. So it was such a powerful photo. And to see a doctor, you know, giving that spiritual um, blessing, mm-hmm. you know, was pretty powerful. So definitely another like, oh, this is great. This puts you at ease and definitely gives you that right. like positivity yeah. boost, you know? Yeah. Um, so you go through that transfer um, and it happens for those of you that don't know, it happens quick. Oh, yeah. The prep takes longer than yes than the actual procedure. 10 minutes, maybe the procedure. Yeah. It's super quick and you're there. And I mean, like I said, the prep takes longer than the actual procedure and it's not painful. Nope. So don't even feel it. Um, I'm talking like I've been through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not painful, <laughs> ladies. I didn't feel a thing. And I didn't feel anything when I did mine. <laughs> no, but honestly, it's like getting a pap. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what that means. You know. Yeah. You know, ladies. <laughs> Oh man, that's the hard part about being a man in an all female <laughs> office. I start talking like one. Yeah, just I'm go like, with the you flow, know, like yeah. you've been through it, right? <laughs> Surely gain the weight when you go through the, you know, that that phase, right? Uh, okay. Um, so we go through there through the transfer. Um, you find out it takes. What did you think? Yeah, because it was one embryo. It was one embryo. You rolled the dice. And honestly, the I got home from the transfer and probably the next day. I started having these little like twinges and oh, wow. all these little things. I'm like, this took. Like, mm-hmm. on, I'm I'm almost positive that this took. Like, That's you awesome. just you just feel it. like sometimes you just feel it. And it's weird because with when I got pregnant with the twins, I didn't feel anything. Like, mm-hmm. there was no indication that I was pregnant. So this one, it was like all these twinges and feelings, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. So, you know, we always talk about the like s- serial testers. Like mm-hmm. I was definitely one of those people. So I was like, okay, what day could I take a pregnancy test that I could like try to see if I'm pregnant? Cause right. we had to wait 14 days, I want to say before. And that is like a really painful long time, 14 days to wait, knowing that something is in right. there. It's different when you're like trying to have a baby and you like, don't know if, you know, if it took or not, but something was like actually placed in there that was already made. So I want to say I got a positive on like day four or five. And so then it just kept getting stronger. And it was cool because my intended mom's birthday was right when we were testing, like right when I was testing positive. So I had had her, I asked her if she'd like to meet me for lunch and on my lunch break. And she said, yeah. And I had taken a digital that morning and it Mm. said, yes, for pregnant. Was this when you went to islands? Is that where you went? Yeah. Okay. I remember that. And actually, I don't think we went, we went to islands a few times, but I want to say we went to the, whatever the Greek place is down here. Oh, um, not Daphne. Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So there's a Greek place down here, but we ended up going to lunch. That's where she wanted to go for lunch. And I had put the pregnancy test in a box and I had given her that. And she just, she cried and she was like, oh my gosh, she was so excited. So it was, it just progressed from there and it, we, we, it was a great pregnancy. And that's awesome. Again, you, you didn't hear the IP stories of why they couldn't have children. I don't want to discuss it because of privacy, you know, issues, but when you're a surrogate and you listen to those stories, you know, it's also another level of touch. Like they touch you with their story mm-hmm. and it's, it's heartbreaking to hear these stories sometimes. And so you just want to, you know, give them that child. And so when we have intended parents come in here all the time and tell us stories about five years, you know, miscarriages and infertility and, you know, just issues that you normally wouldn't hear. Um, it's heartbreaking. You want to help them. That's why we're doing this. And that's why I went back to this couple Mm -hmm. because I just, I had this, you know, just want to help them. Uh, Even though they, you know, they canceled our our match originally together and then they came back. I still had this like wanting feeling to help them because, you know, of the the medical issues that that were there, you know, for the intended parents. And I just, I felt, I just had this this like feeling in my heart about that wanting to help them. Right. Um, you move forward through, you know, the, through the pregnancy and you get to the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything was smooth. So the, the, yeah. So the IVF clinic that denied me, uh, you Did know, you go back and we're like, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I wanted to do. You know, and, and I get it. Like these no, IVF yeah. clinics are kind of like outweighing their, the risk factor. Sure. Um, but honestly, 
I, I had like a great pregnancy. It was perfect. I had no blood pressure issues. I had nothing. I mean, I was carrying a singleton for the most part there, yeah. you know, it was, it was smooth sailing. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So then I went, I got to delivery and I got to the hospital and I got to the hospital and they, they checked me and they said, okay, we're, um, we're going to take you back for surgery. And I was there for maybe 20 minutes because I was already in labor and they didn't want me to labor because I was mm-hmm. going to have to have a repeat C-section. I had a C-section with my first son. So I was already at two C-sections. They wouldn't let me do a VBAC. Uh, so I hurry up and called my intended parents. They were super close to the hospital and they came and right. uh, I woke them up actually because it was about <laughs> 1230 in the morning. And the intended mom, I, I asked the intended mom if she'd like to be in, in the room. Were they freaking is, out? Like when you told them? I think they were they were caught off guard because they were sleeping. Oh, okay. And you know, when you get like awoken, like you get woken up from sleep and you're just like in yeah, this daze, like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like what's going on? And it was more of like, okay, we're doing this because everything was moving fast. Like they had just got to the hospital and they were like, as soon as they came in, they were like throwing scrubs at the mom to like get her ready to go into delivery. Right. So, um, so yeah, so she hurry up and got her stuff ready. I went into the operating room and yeah, it was, it was, it was so fast. Yeah. And yeah, he was, he was born like not even an hour later. Wow. That fast. Mm -hmm. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, he's born an hour later and what happens? Like, um, you said that the intended mother was in there with you. Yep. So intended mom is in there with me. And after the baby was born, they kind of sat in there for a little bit, just, you know, making sure everything is okay. And I got to see him and, you know, he had all this like fuzzy hair on top. Mm. He was so cute. And then they had her leave uh, with the baby so they can check out the baby and then, you know, got everything ready for me. And then they went to recovery to do some, you know, bonding time. I went to recovery and then they wheeled the baby. They asked me, you know, would you like to see the baby? And I said, yeah, of course. So they wheeled the baby down and I got to hold, I got to hold him, you know, not too long after being in recovery. Like I still couldn't even move my legs at that point. (laughs) But, uh, so I got to see him and it was, it was a great feeling and just seeing them, you know, together as a family was, was awesome. Yeah. Now there's this other component, this other living, you know, this little human there with them that they, that you saw that they didn't have before. And Mm -hmm. so you get to see this, you know, that they call that twinkle in their eye, Mm -hmm. you know, but you got to see them, how they reacted. How were they acting with the baby? Were they like, wow, like this is Yeah. I think it's like a shock. You know, (laughs) I always say the hardest part about having kids is going from zero kids to one kid because it's just this reality check of, whoa, I just went from doing everything I did yeah. on my own. And now I have this little human being going from one to two or two to three. You've, I mean, you're already in that, in that process. So it's just a, another walk in the park, but I think it's more of this realization for intended parents because it's very hard for them because they, they do have that disconnect mm-hmm. where you're, you know, you don't, you're not pregnant for nine months where you're living and breathing it every single day. Mm-hmm. You're, you have kind of this disconnect. So then when the baby comes, it's just like, boom, you know, right. like reality hits you yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my baby. Like, this is like, this is our baby, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> so I think, it's hitting you, yeah. yeah, the realization hit, you know, set in, but in the recovery, they were able to do, you know, skin to skin with the baby and the bonding and all of that. That's so awesome. Um, so those are two different journeys. Yeah. You saw how fast that second one went yeah. by. <laughs> so, I mean, that just goes to show you that as we say it, we said it here, no two journeys are the same. You might have an amazing journey. You might have a couple hiccups, you mm-hmm. know, um, but overall the end game is what? The end game it's is- worth it. Yeah. yeah you've it, helped create generations of people exactly. and it's not just the baby. It's not just this baby for this, this family. It's like you've built their family for a long time, because mm-hmm. if that child wasn't there, then their children won't be there or, right. you know, and I think that that's, that's really cool. Like the, just like the thought of the future mm-hmm. of what you just helped create is e- even like more powerful. Right. What was awesome is one of the surrogates have, had given me, um, a quote or description of, of their journey. And it was, and I'm going to, and I apologize because it's not verbatim, but it's something to the, I'm paraphrasing, it's something to the effect of, um, I was going into it thinking I was going to help a family, but they ended up helping me, you know? And it was kind of like, you're helping this family, but you're also growing Yes, as a person, you know? And 
it, it, it either it humbles you, it makes you grow as, you know, in, in a positive way as a mm-hmm. person and makes you realize a few things in life. Um, so I thought that was, that was pretty awesome because we always hear about how we're helping um, the families and we are, um, but you also get a, a bonus and that's helping yourself. Mm-hmm. Your, your heart definitely grows larger. It's like, the Grinch where, right. you know, all of a sudden he like finds love and his heart <laughs> just grows. That's, that's kind of how it is with surrogacy because now you've built these bonds with people that you would have never met or even encountered probably mm-hmm. in your life. And now you've just given them the greatest gift that you could ever give them as of a child, you know, right. and future grandkids or whatnot. And it just makes you realize the important things in your life and how important your kids are to you and how lucky you are to be able to have children so easily mm-hmm. when there are so many other people out there that wa- are wanting what you have and, and right. it's, just, it's just not in the cards for them. This concludes part one of our interview with our surrogate intake director, Rebecca Deegan. As you heard, Rebecca discussed her two journeys here at Surrogate Alternatives. Um, You can catch part two, which has been uploaded for your enjoyment. In part two, Rebecca discusses her role as the surrogate intake director here at Surrogate Alternatives, and she discusses uh, what it takes to be a surrogate, um, what she's looking for in a surrogate, and uh, her views on surrogacy. And it's an interview that you don't want to miss, and it's one that you should pass around if, if you have anyone interested in surrogacy. Well, thank you for joining us. Again, you were listening to part one and catch us on part two. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Building Families podcast with Damien Omeda. Visit surrogatealternatives.com for links on everything we talked about, as well as archives, videos, and resources on how you too can start your own journey. Join us next time for another edition of Building Families. Building Families.